Welcome to Vedic Living. I'm Ben Collins. In this series of podcasts, Apana Kanokara and I explore ways to utilize the insights of the ancient Vedic rishis to establish a life full of good health, balance, and spiritual fulfillment. This week, Aparna and I discuss the importance of dinacharya, or daily routines. Whether we're feeling healthy or not, these simple routines will help us to gain or maintain that sense of good health, high energy, and spiritual connectedness. Hello, Aparna. It's good to speak with you again. Hello, Ben. It's good to be here in Santa Barbara. <laughs> good. Well, I'm in L.A. It's not quite as not nice too. as Santa Barbara, but that's okay. Well, today we're going to talk about the value of routine from the perspective of Ayurveda and spirituality. And most of our listeners are practitioners of various spiritual techniques like meditation or mantra japa or doing pujas or so on, yoga. And so they've already seen the value of a spiritual routine. And, of course, you know, we all have other routines that benefit us, whether it's exercise or, you know, studying if we're a student, um, checking out the Pujanet site. Yeah. Uh, so so today uh, you're going to pre- present um, Ayurvedic routines um, that people can add into their daily life uh, pretty easily, right? Very easily, Yes. So first, I have a quick story that is um, going to illustrate the power of routine and how these patterns that we develop in our lives have a very profound influence on who we are and the choices that we make. And the uh, story comes from the Panchatantra, and it's a story about uh, a little mouse uh, who was just going about her business one day when uh, she was... Uh, snatched up by a hawk and was just carried away. And the hawk was, you know, pretty pleased with the catch. This was a nice, plump little mouse, apparently. And rather than eating her on the spot, he decided to share the mouse with his mate. And as the hawk flew away with the mouse, uh, he was momentarily distracted, and the mouse wriggled free and uh, fell down to earth. Mm. Well, at the time... The Rishi Yagnavalkya happened to be standing on the banks of the Ganges doing his morning rituals, and he had cupped some water in his hands. It was holding his hands out in front of him, and the mouse plopped into his hands, which, you know, just splashed him with some water. And, you know, Yagnavalkya was, you know, he was one of the biggies, a very, a very powerful Rishi. And merely by having this momentary contact with him, the mouse was then transformed into a little girl, much obviously to the surprise and amusement of the Rishi. But he took her home and gave her to his wife to raise and to take care of. And as the little girl grew older, she became of married, marriageable age, and her parents began to look for an appropriate mate. So the father, you know, being a great Rishi, uh, the, his first choice was Surya, the sun god. And uh, the sun god who, you know, always eager to marry into a good family, uh, was, was, you know, ready to marry the daughter, but she said, you know, he's a little too hot. <laughs> <laughs> and Yagnavalkya said, well, um, okay, 
who's better than you? Who's greater than you? And the son replied, well, you know, the clouds, um, they're stronger than me because they're thick and dark and, and I can't penetrate them. And so Yagnavalkya summoned the cloud lord and presented him to his daughter. And she said, you know, Dad, he's kind of dark and cold. Can we do better? And Yagnavalkya asked the cloud for suggestions. And the cloud said, well, you know, the mountains stop my progress. Mm-hmm. And Yagnavalkya summoned the mountains. And once again, his daughter found fault. She refused to marry him because he was too rocky and rough. And the mountain god said, you know, uh, you might consider talking to the king of the mice because they're always digging holes in me and I can't stop them. <laughs> so so once again, Yagnavalkya summons the king of the mice, and not believing that this would turn out any better, but uh, much to his surprise, uh, as soon as she saw the soft furry mouse, she said, oh, yes, absolutely. Will you please turn me back into a mouse? So the moral of the story is that we all tend to revert back to what we know best. And the real profound growth and change in a spiritual sense comes on the basis of routine. And uh, it just, the things that we do over and over become a part of us and a part of our mind and a part of our uh, consciousness uh, until we just no longer think about it. It's just a part of who, you know, of who we are. So the um, the rishis really knew the value of routine. So that's my that's my little illustration. Of the I value love of it. I, I read this story growing up in India, and I love oh really it. oh good. Yes. <laughs> it's a great story. Yes. Well, I couldn't agree with you more because I do believe that true freedom and bliss comes from discipline and awareness. And our whole conversation today about Dinacharya, it's really about awareness. And our first fundamental awareness should be that perfect health is our most natural state. It brings balance, it prevents disease, it gives us the experience of bliss, and of course it allows us to have good health, which in Ayurveda also equals to longevity. So Dina in Sanskrit means day, and Acharya means to follow or to be close to. So essentially, Dinacharya means the practice of being aligned with the daily cycle of nature. Not just nature in terms of the planet or the day or the season, but actually, according to Ayurveda, even the sun, the moon, and all the planets. So basically, our alignment with the cosmic rhythms. And like nature, our body also has its own inbuilt cosmic rhythms or cycles. And in Ayurveda, we break down the day into six parts, and they're based on the doshas. This is very fascinating to me, as it will be to you guys who are listening. So 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. is kapha, kapha time. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. is pitta time. 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. is vata time. And then we begin the cycle again, which is 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. is kapha. And 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. is pitta. And 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. is vata. And 
the best time to wake up in terms of our daily routine for our expansion of our spiritual consciousness and for perfect health would be to wake up during Vata time, but just before sunrise. According to Ayurveda, that's the most sattvic time of the day to wake up, to begin our day. Um, they say that there's a wonderful, pure, creative energy that we have access to. Um, in fact, many staunch yogic followers in India will wake up at three in the morning to meditate, which is, of course, Vata time. And my mother often says that's when the devas and devatis, devis are, devatas and devis are moving around. They're floating around, accessing people who are meditating. Um, that actually may not be that practical for a lot, lot of us. But this daily routine we're going to talk about applies to everybody, with the exception of people who are sick, people who are old, and those who are recovering from childbirth and surgery, and parents of young children, and people who are recovering, recovering from fevers and other illnesses. So the rest of us, Ben, we just have to follow this routine. Okay, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay, vata time is also a very good time for elimination of waste. It's uh, great to drink warm water in the morning with lemon. We've talked about this before in our previous podcast. Ayurveda also says that it is very important not to suppress natural physical urges to sneeze or yawn or eliminate say over time that it causes imbalances. Also, it's best to eliminate in the morning because that way you're not starting the whole digestive process without having eliminated. And I have never met an Indian who does not take care of that business in the morning, ever. It's just as a, as a child who's a year and a half, you start your training then for morning elimination. Everybody takes it for granted. And then bathing in the morning is also very essential. Um, the body is purified. Actually, it's a way to sort of purify the body to have access to a soul that's refreshed and also to purify the senses. And Ayurveda has very clear prescriptions on uh, purifying the senses. Of course, you brush your teeth. You scrape your tongue with a stainless steel or even better, a silver um, tongue scraper that you can buy on Banyan Botanicals on their website. That's www.banyanbotanicals.com. Well, I'll, I'll add a link in the uh, show notes, oh, awesome. so people can just go directly. They also have uh, they have very good Ayurvedic preparations. I'm they, big, they big fan do. of theirs. Yeah, they have wonderful herbal formulas, rasayanas, um, all kinds of oils for massage. For Abhyayangas, we've been talking about the last few weeks. Um, they have specific uh, doshic oils that you can purchase, as well as herbalized oils, which are even more beneficial. They're more expensive. They're far more beneficial than just plain oil. Um, also, it would be great if people can um, gargle or swish in their mouth a couple of tablespoons of sesame oil each day. It's one of the best ways to save on dental bills, dental work. His sesame oil is so potent. It's antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal. It kills anything that doesn't belong in your mouth. And because it's an oil, it just you can just swirl it around your mouth. 
you have to hold it in your mouth for five to seven minutes, preferably 10. <clears throat> and then you spit it out and wash your mouth with warm water so you get that oil out of your mouth. Never swallow that because there's a lot of toxic stuff in there. And um, also, you can wash your eyes out. Since we're talking about cleaning the senses, you can wash your eyes out with rose water or trifala water. You want to be very careful with trifala water because if there's any grit in it from the herbs, that could really hurt your eyes. Um, it's cleansing to the eyes and it's refreshing and the rose water is cooling, especially for people with pitta tendencies, the rose water eye wash. Um, and of course, we have to take care of the abhyanga, which we'll talk about in a moment. But Ayurveda also prescribes vyayama in Sanskrit. That means exercise. And this is to maintain strength and to increase stamina and to strengthen your immune function. And it also improves your circulation and reduces fat and gives you just an overall sense of well-being and good cheer. Um, also, it fills the body with prana. My teacher always said that exercise should be no more than 50% of your actual capacity. So all the spinning and the very intense workouts are not very advisable according to Ayurveda because they cause further imbalances. Yoga, swimming, walking are some of the most preferred forms of exercise. And Ayurveda actually also has different yogasanas for different doshas. We'll probably talk about that in another podcast, but there is that as well. So following your Vyayama, it is time to do an Abhyanga. And Abhyanga, as we know, is very soothing to all the doshas and grounding to all the doshas. But it also makes your muscles supple. It reduces vata. It's very relaxing and prevents aging. Um, my mother, who is now 65, started doing abhyangas about three years ago, and her skin is so different. She looks more like 55. And it's just been the most profound in front of our eyes transformation just from doing abhyangas. And bathing, of course, is a very important next step after abhyanga. It, as I said earlier, it symbolizes the purification of the soul. Even the poorest of poor people in India will make sure they bathe every day. So, you don't want to use very hot water, especially on the neck and head, because that causes certain imbalances, vata imbalances. So, warm water that's comfortable. Vata people tend to prefer much more warm water than, than pittas. Pittas tend to like cooler water because they're already running so warm. Um, after which you would wear clean clothes and apply essential oils on yourself, whichever fragrance that appeals to you or for your dosha. And then it's time to meditate. And we've talked about this in our first podcast. Meditation is for clarity of the mind, calming the nervous system, and a connection to the divine and to experience bliss or ananda. After which, you partake of breakfast. Fruit is highly recommended for breakfast in Ayurveda because it's so rich in prana and ojas, especially fruits that are in season right now, 
pears, grapes, those are all very ojas-rich fruit. Um, it's okay if your breakfast is light, but it's important that you have a breakfast. And then we move on to our dharmic duties, whatever they might be, being a mother, running puja.net, teaching clients how to cook, being a right. student, any of those things. And another part of our dharma is also the cultivation of healthy relationships. It's really important because healthy relationships bring us happiness and healthy relationships actually help keep us healthy. And another thing that Ayurveda emphasizes is while we conduct the business of our dharma, it is important to stay in gratitude. And then we go on to lunch. Now, you may remember that I said that pitta time is from 10 to 2 p.m. That's when the sun is shining brightest, and it's also the hottest time of the day. And that is when your digestive system is the strongest. Your digestive agni, or fire, is the strongest. So that is when you would eat the largest meal of the day. And then there's a whole set of prescriptions on what you eat, which we will be doing in a future podcast. But right now, just to mention briefly, it's very important that you consider how you eat, not just what you eat, but how you eat. So it's advisable to sit in a very pleasant environment, sit with people you like, enjoy the food you eat, savor it consciously, eat slowly, chew, chew your food really well. Uh, your digestion begins in your mouth, not just in your, di in your bellies. So take your time and see if you can recognize the six tastes while you eat. And it's very important to actually sit down for at least 10 minutes after you eat. So don't get up and wash dishes and start writing your reports or calling clients or whatever it is that people do after they eat lunch. Just allow the digestive system to work. Give it the space and actually enjoy the feeling of fullness from having just eaten. Um, if you can, you can take a short stroll. That also helps with digestion. Vata people need to sit for almost 20 minutes because they are the ones that are most flighty. They're always ready to move. Pitta people can sit for about 15 and Kapha people will do fine with just sitting down for 10 minutes. And so, there, so there's really there's a, uh, a value placed on relaxing after the meal as well. Yes, very much so. Not taking long naps, but resting for, for several minutes. Yes. No, but it's the, the dine and dash is, is not really very good for you from the Ayurveda perspective. Yes, and this is very important that we emphasize this, Ben, because Westerners in general, are food is just something that we eat to fill our bellies. And actually in Ayurveda, food is so much more. It's, food is medicine. Food is love. Food is health. Food is Brahman. Food is consciousness. So we can give ourselves the permission to actually eat our food, enjoy our food, enjoy the company in which we're dining, and then to rest for a few minutes. It is our birthright, our divine birthright to do that. Every meal, preferably. So then we go back to our dharmic duties for the afternoon. And then ideally... We would do our prayers at sundown or meditate 
it's a really good time to reflect on your activities, to consider what you've accomplished, how you feel, spend time with your children or your family members. And you would eat your dinner before 7 o'clock or sunset. But with our time change, our sunset can be at 4.30, and that's not really practical. So have a light dinner. Your dinner is dinner should be as small as breakfast, a soup, maybe some steamed vegetables, a small portion of rice or some quinoa. And some people, especially pitta people, if they eat such a small dinner, they will crave something else around 9 o'clock because they have such fast metabolism and digestion. So they can have some warm milk, almond milk, or good quality organic cow's milk with some saffron and cardamom and ghee. That's a wonderful beverage for relaxing the body some more. But after dinner, it's recommended you take a light walk with family or friends or even by yourself, short stroll. And this might be really surprising for a lot of people, but lights out by 9.30. That's very hard for a lot of people, for a lot of us. I Why? think I would put that in the category of not going to happen. <laughs> okay, so... so Here's, here's, here's a different solution to that. Let's say that you go to bed every day at 11.30. I am not suggesting that, that you must now go, go to bed two hours earlier. That won't happen, and I won't expect it. So what you do is, instead of shutting the lights off at 11.30, tonight you shut off the light at 11. And a few days later, you turn off the lights at 10.30. You allow the body gradually to change and it will respond because the body wants to be in a natural state of health and bliss and connection to nature but we have to allow it we can't resist it um, some of the activities that Ayurveda suggests for after dinner is some pleasant beautiful music some mantras some chanting music you can do some light reading but not any, don't watch any horror films or read any horrific novels or anything like that. Just allow the body to just rest and the mind to rest. It's had a full day of activities. And minimum sleep for all doshas is between seven to eight hours. We need that much. Because the nervous system is rejuvenating. It rests the mind. The cells are regenerating. The liver is doing its job of moving things here, transforming food into energy, putting the wastes where they belong. And when we stay up and we keep busy, I'm sure you've noticed, Ben, we all get a second wind around 9.30 or 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's because we've just gone into pitta time. We're all actually now ready to do more things than at 8.30 where we're probably feeling quite blissfully restful. So that's the reason why I said turn off the lights by 9.30 so you don't jump into that second wind and get busy again. It's really important to rest. And if you turn off the light at 9.30 and you can't sleep, then you can massage your feet with warm oil. We've talked about this before. You get an old towel, place it on your bed somewhere and warm up some sesame oil or coconut oil depending on your dosha. And you can even put a few drops of lavender or sandalwood oil in it and massage your feet. 
quite luxuriously for about five to ten minutes or even better get somebody else to do it and then you will definitely have good sleep another thing to do is also maybe put a couple of tablespoons of warm oil on the crown of your head on the top of your head that's very calming to the mind so if you have a lot of thoughts running through your head and a lot of vata energy your lists and all of that it will really help calm your mind so this is an ideal dinacharya routine for anybody everybody it's simple and there is actually great emphasis on self care which is not very common you know it's it's considered greedy or selfish or self indulgent to take care of ourselves on this level but this is what we do every day matters more than any of the herbs and uh medicines we take that's that's an old ayurvedic saying you know what we do every single day affects us in the long run this abhyanga will do much for your nervous system it will be mu- it will do much for you feeling grounded and calm the meditation will do the same and eating according to your dosha will also support in your disease prevention and longevity Well you know you I, I, I no no I I I think your suggestions actually um um uh, the going to bed thing you know is just not something I'm going to be able to do but um it occurs to me that people who are now in a state of um imbalance and are having health issues um that adopting this kind of routine is an investment in your own health and the restoration of your own health yes. and um uh you know it it's it's one of those things that you can um you know you can take from what you know what's practical and what you like and I'm sort of teasing you a little bit about going yes. early but but the idea is that here's the ide- you know here's the ideal here's what you can do and if you're out of balance and you're feeling stressed and you're um you know you're not you know you're, you're not feeling the way you 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 want to during the day well here's some things to pay attention to you know getting enough rest going to bed at the right time um eating in a relaxed kind of way having the biggest meal at noon instead of at night you know all of those things together will give the body a chance to restore itself to its natural state of balance and it's stuff that doesn't cost any money this is just no. routine adjustments yes and the people that i work with my clients even by just adopting three of these things have seen a remarkable difference in their well-being and health and their state of mind their mood their sense of energy so little at a time you don't have to implement everything in one day or even in one week but you make one change at a time and you see the benefit to your own physiology to your own mind and it's going to inspire you to make more more Absolutely. changes. And yeah. it's not a change you're not doing anybody a favor by making these changes. It's really you're giving a gift to yourself. And that's the most wonderful thing we can do. Often love as we know and caring as we know is directed towards others, which is wonderful. It's a very divine quality, but we must also take care of ourselves. and these are some of the most time tested ancient ways and they're simple and as ben said not much money involved some time right. involved right and and some discipline and and a desire for 
uh, seeing yourself better, doing better, being happier. We were talking last week about the role of food, and of course one of the great routines surrounding food is the ritual of saying grace, the purpose of which is to uh, establish a mental state of peacefulness and gratitude before beginning a meal. And of course, as you've said, Aparna, uh, Ayurveda is always focused on the importance of proper digestion. Yes. So this mantra comes from Adi Shankara. Uh, it's from the uh, Anapurni Ashtakam, and it's about Anapurni, who was Shiva's uh, wife in the form of um, the giver of food to all living uh, beings. And if you see the Morti of her, she's always holding a big, big spoon. Mm. And um, uh, so the mantra is Om Anapurne Sadapurne Shankara Prana Valabhaye Jnana Vairagya Siddhartam Biksham Dehicha Parvati Matacha Parvati Devi Pitta Devo Maheshwaraha Bandava Shiva Bhaktascha Swadesho Bhuvana Trayam and the meaning is, Anapurni, you are the beloved power of Shiva. You are fullness and have manifested yourself as this food. Mother of the universe, nourish us with this gift of food so that we may gain knowledge and spiritual perfection. Parvati is my mother. Shiva is my father. All of God's devotees are my family. And... Yeah, and, and I, it will be in the in the show notes, both the the Sanskrit done in a phonetic way and the meaning. And you know, it it it's one of those things that um, you know you can uh, write out on a uh, three by five card. Mm -hmm. And after you do it for a couple of days, you know it starts to resonate with your own awareness, and it's really difficult to sit down and uh, rush through a meal after you've started it like that yes definitely and it's also great fun when you're with your friends who don't really know a lot about uh, eastern traditions to say something in sanskrit like this before the meal that's always very impressive <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> <laughs> so what do we got planned for our next podcast our next podcast uh, we're going to do one dosha at a time Okay. So we're going to start with Bata, the queen of doshas. We're going to spend an entire podcast on Bata and then Pitta and then Kapha. And what that what does that mean in terms of the logistics of it? It will explain what Bata means. It explains how Bata works in the body, the emotions, the seat of Bata, the common characteristics of Bata, the problems of Bata and food and lifestyle for Bata. Sounds great. Yeah, and then we'll do pitta and then kapha and then we'll figure out what to do after that. 